Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. After the apocalypse, a pandemic survival story. Season 3, episode 13. Loose ends. It was the day after the escape. Tasker squinted into the large mirror on the driver's side of the work truck they had taken from the D.C. This truck was bigger than a standard pickup, but it was smaller than a dump truck. It was one of those trucks that crews of workmen might have driven out to fix down power lines before the apocalypse. The back and sides were wrapped in sheet metal lockers, and there was a large predatory bull bar mounted on the nose, like the bronze ram of an ancient trireme. They're a ways back now. We should be able to make it across the bridge without having to deal with them. Tasker and Harlan were being chased by a pickup from the D.C. with four men in it. Tasker was driving now. They had been playing cat and mouse with the others for over an hour. They were approaching the bridge that would get them across the river. It was ninety miles west of the city bridge that had been destroyed by the storm. They would use it to get over to the other side of the river where the king's army was camped. They had been driving, pushing hard for this crossing since they had escaped the D.C. As they approached the bridge, they saw a jumble of cars in the road. Apparently, there had been construction in progress at the bridge when the world ended. The deck was narrowed to one lane where some idiots had managed to smash their cars together. It was a confused mess. Vehicles had pushed in behind the accident in the last throes of panic to escape a world that was swiftly dying. Like somehow, in their desperation, they imagined salvation was to be found on the other side of the river. Humans reduced to animal fear by the pandemic, fleeing mindlessly to get away towards the mirage of safety anywhere else. Damn it, Tasker said. We're gonna have to push that out of the way. Stop here, Harlan said abruptly. What? Tasker asked, surprised. Stop here. Tasker downshifted and pulled the truck to a stop. 
Harlan got out onto the road and considered the jammed vehicles. He stood with his hands on his hips, looking around for a moment, then turned and looked back up the road the way they had come. Get out of the way, he said to Tasker, gesturing towards the passenger seat. I'm driving. Shouldn't we be busy moving these cars? Tasker asked. We don't have much time. Nah, Harlan said flatly and spat on the ground. His voice became not impatient, but methodically hard. Do as I say and be quick about it. Harlan took over and drove a bit further into the construction zone. He braked hard and shifted the truck into reverse. Turning to look over his shoulder, he began to back up a grassy hill behind an abandoned bus. He was looking at Tasker as he maneuvered. He smiled a chilling smile. Might want to put your seatbelt on. The abandoned bus was a city bus with a large advertisement on the side for an in-home medical care outfit. A smiling old person with a smiling health aide beamed back at the two men, proclaiming how friendly and good-natured your old age could be with their services. The irony was lost on the two men in the utility truck. The bus driver had left this bus here on the side of the throughway, pulled it off the road, and walked off somewhere to die. Maybe the driver's shift was over and he wasn't authorized for overtime. There were bundles of clothing with tufts of hair against some of the smudged windows. Whoever they had been, they hadn't gotten to where they were going. That municipal bus was their last haven from the plague, now it was their hearse and sarcophagus, a fitting shrine and final resting place for the workaday proletariat who would not live to enjoy the company of smiling healthcare workers in their old age. Like Pharaoh's sunboat, this bus would carry them on their journey through the underworld, perhaps to have their worthiness judged by Osiris. Harlan shut off the truck. He pushed open the door and stood up on the running board so that he could see up the road through the tinted windows of the parked bus. They waited. Before long, the pickup pulled into view. It was driving cautiously, weaving through the parked cars on the throughway. There were two men in the cab and two sitting behind in the bed of the truck. They didn't realize that their cat-and-mouse game was nearly over. The rats had stopped running. Harlan slipped back into the cab of the truck, quietly latched the door, and pulled on his own seatbelt. He nodded at Tasker, who hurriedly did the same. The nose of the bus was sticking out into the road slightly, and the pickup needed to slow to navigate around it. 
Harlan started the engine, slammed the truck into first gear, and tromped on the gas. The heavy work truck lurched forward and closed a ten-foot gap in a roar. It carried the weight of the truck and the momentum of the hill squarely into the driver's door of the pickup, T-boning it with a sickly crunch. Tasker was thrown hard against the restraints. Harlan gripped a steering wheel and grinned a ferocious gargoyle grin. One of the men in the bed of the pickup, who had been in the act of standing, was launched out into the roadway. The other sprawled with a look of terror on his face. The driver was down, and the man in the passenger seat was holding on for dear life. Yee-haw! Harlan yelled and continued screaming and laughing as he kept his foot glued to the floor. Come on, baby, come on! Tasker braced himself, one hand on the dashboard and the other white-knuckling the door frame. Crazy son of a bitch! He thought to himself and started praying. The work truck tires squealed. The pickup slid sideways, tires dragging as Harlan pushed. The smoke of tires filled the air. Inexorably, the pickup slid, grinding to the edge of the construction. It smashed into a concrete barrier, which, in turn, flipped over off the edge and into the river below. The man in the passenger seat was trying frantically to get out through the passenger window. Harlan kept pushing, pushing the smaller pickup towards the edge. All the while, he was physically pushing the steering wheel. The veins on his hands stood out and his arm muscles tensed. His face wore a manic grin like something from an old horror movie. There was a moment when the pickup truck clung to the edge. Time seemed to slow down, as if maybe it would cling there forever. But then it let go in a rush, tumbling the thirty feet from the side of the bridge and landing on its roof in the river below. Harlan stopped short. He slammed the truck into reverse. Black smoke swirled around his head, framing his face like a demon from hell. He turned a tasker as he backed up and smiled. Think that'll hold him? Yeah! Tasker responded, stunned and pale with the blood drained from his face. I do believe it will. He was beginning to wonder what he had gotten himself in for. Janet worked the plastic of the zip ties against the edge of the ATV seat. She had no expectation that it would snap any time soon, but she knew that it would snap eventually. The only question in her mind was, when? If she could rub and twist it enough, she would free herself, and eventually, when the time was right, she could make her move. Whatever that move was. It felt like they were approaching the end game in this sequence of events that had started when they left the D.C. a couple weeks back. She needed to have her alternatives planned out and ready to go when the opportunity to act appeared. She might only get one chance. 
With their lives on the line, she had to act swiftly and with confidence. Hesitation was a killer of souls. The ride of the ATVs became smoother now as they entered the paved roads that led to the campus. The old man could feel it. It made things a bit more comfortable. He could be convinced to take a quick nap if he didn't have such a god-awful cramp in his back from being pushed down with his hands zip-tied behind him. He tried to move around a bit to shift his position to relieve the pressure, but he was stopped short by a sudden, hard slap to his hooded head. Hey, just trying to get comfortable, he growled. Sit still, shithead, a voice said. Don't give me an excuse to dump you on the side of the road. The old man let his head slouch forward and tried to doze. He was hot in the hood. He was tired. It would be nice to get some shut-eye. But before he could relax enough to slip away, the ATV coasted to a halt. The engine switched off with a cough, and he could smell exhaust. The hood covered his eyes, but heightened his other senses. He heard the distinct metallic ticking of the mufflers as they cooled. He could feel the energy of the situation and wondered about the impending conclusion of this journey. Someone roughly pulled him out of his seat and marched him stumbling forward. He heard Janet curse as she tripped over an unseen curb. Through the head covering, he caught snippets of conversation, something about the project, something about the kaiju. Someone was reporting something to someone. He heard Dr. Panagiorgio talking as they were pushed forward. Mac said something about Zane. A door opened and closed. Footsteps. The clunking of boot heels. The squeaking of sneakers. The rustle of clothing. The smell of cleaning products and... Maybe the sweet tinge of fear sweat. They were shoved to a seated position against a wall on a hard floor. He felt the warmth of Janet's shoulder against his. How you doing, Florence? Peachy. Someone kicked him in the leg. Shut up. Willie crouched in the shadow of the abandoned truck and quietly listened. She opened her senses to let the environment filter into her perception. When she consciously stilled herself and quieted the vibrations of the physical world, answers came to her. She had been following the tracks of the old man and Janet for a few days now. Traces of their passage were here. Their footprints, Bill's big paw prints in the dust, the tracks of their cart tires, the remnants of fires, the scuff marks and scat where the big dog had done his business. Willie mused on that. Picking up after your dog? 
no longer seemed an essential civic duty. Those angry Social Security pensioners with nothing better to do than glare out their front windows, like the cantankerous Mrs. Johnson in her old neighborhood. They wouldn't be bitching about piles of dog poop anymore. Chalk up another win for the apocalypse. The old man and Janet were not hard to follow. Of course, Willie had the advantage of knowing where they were headed, and she knew when they had left the D.C. Once she was on their trail, it was relatively easy. Even so, Willie felt a sense of pride in her newfound skills as a tracker and scout. Who knew that being a quiet observer would become a valuable life skill? Certainly, Mrs. Mahoney, her eighth-grade Latin teacher, would be surprised. Willie crouched quietly, waiting for the world to speak. She relaxed and drank in the scene. The creeping weeds and kudzu were encroaching from the woods onto the road. In another couple years, the road would be gone altogether, nothing but an overgrown woodland path. And this old truck would be a rusted relic buried in the underbrush. Grasses beside her pulsed with the coming and going of a small breeze. She noticed a dune bug gripping a swaying stalk with its mechanical legs, munching on the leaves with its mandibles, the sun glinting off its metallic back. Life continued in the grasses as it always had. She closed her eyes, smiled, and listened. Background vocals of birdsong filled the air, as the sparrows and tits went about the business of reclaiming the world, no longer pestered by the noisome ways of humans. The backyard bird feeders were empty, but the whole world was theirs. The soft sound of running water murmured from the creek, the susurration of small animals in the underbrush. No cars. No jets, no roar from the nearby interstate highway, no commuters rushing pell-mell to their inevitable deaths in quiet desperation, no beeping alarms, no buzzing cell phones. It was all quite peaceful. The thought occurred to Willie that she might like this empty, rewilding world more than the old one. She felt at home in the emptiness. She never liked people much, anyhow. In the city, they had been like too many rats stuffed in a shoebox, fighting for survival, ripping and tearing for crumbs, always having to elbow your way to the front, Always a worry about someone grabbing your ankles and pulling you back into the melee. Now the box was gone. The rats were gone. There was an unencumbered freedom of movement. The emptiness of the new world suited her just 
fine. She opened her eyes and stretched with a yawn like an ocelot. Willie emerged from the shadow of the broken-down truck and followed the tracks onward down the gravel road. She was gaining on them. It wouldn't be long now. Back at the distribution center, Mags was up and moving. A bit. It had been several days since the escape of Tasker and Harlan. Willie had gone to find the old man and Janet. The D.C. was in turmoil. Some of the residents had fled in expectation of an attack from the king's army. The men they had sent in pursuit had not been able to stop Harlan and Tasker from reaching the other side of the river. It was only a matter of time before the retribution came. In the form of an angry army of rampaging killers... Mags was still hurt, but knew she needed to work. They tried to make her stay in bed, but she forced their hands by being stubborn and pig-headed. She reasoned that if the king's army showed up, she'd die in that bed anyhow. She might as well die trying to save the place." She was slumped over some crutches on top of the shipping container wall, pointing down the road. They've got trucks. If they come, they'll be coming down the road. She paused and turned to Michael. We need to set up a series of defensive hardpoints every hundred yards or so. Multiple layers of defense, she instructed. Damn, I wish we had some landmines. She winced in pain and gripped the crutch to steady herself. You all right? Michael asked. None of us is all right, she snapped. Get some more scouts out so we can see what's coming. We need more people. Michael looked tense. We lost about a third of our strength because people were scared and left while you were out. Maybe we should give up the D.C., Let's gather a convoy of materials and head south down the river. There's bound to be more people at the next city, Brad interjected, trying to sound like the voice of reason and not like a scared coward. No, Mag said with evident pain. This is our best bet. Without these resources, we're screwed. She paused and became very serious, deadly serious. This is it. This is where we make our stand. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, my survivor friends. How are we doing on this fine day? And welcome back to the apocalypse. For those of you who are playing along, it's the Ides of February 2023, and this is Season 3, Episode 13. If you're listening to the, the voice here of Chris the producer in these segments, and if that makes you really angry, you know, and you have to ram your car into the car in front of you and try to push them off the road, you can, you know, you can just skip to the finish after Robert's narrative. You know, after that ends, with the closing music and the mid-roll break, I won't be offended unless someone tells me. And, you know, I don't know you. I don't know where you live. Or do I? Just kidding. Siri, dim the lights. First, let me get you uh, some updates here. We're cooking along in our Season 3. The plan is still to do five seasons of 20 episodes each. I write and produce the show. Robert does the professional audio read. And I have a team of three friends that help me with the editing and the story ideas. We have a nice, sustainable two-week production schedule cycle cadence going on. Why do you care? Because this is the cadence that you can expect for the next, what would that be, 46 episodes. Unless, of course, life gets in the way. But as of this morning, we are running at about 23,000 downloads a month. And again, why do you care? Because, A, you're not alone. This solid download number means that we are serving up an interesting and compelling product worthy of your attention. And B, I get ad revenue to pay for the production costs. Not a lot. I barely break even, but it, but at least I don't have to explain to my long-suffering wife why I'm wasting the milk money. So, here's your call to action, my friends. Let's drive those numbers up. Recruit three friends. That's it, just three. Forward the show to three people who you think will appreciate it. That's my ask. And uh, you can share it on social media, right? Just post the link on your feed and say, hey, this is a good show. Give it a listen. The other thing that I guess really helps is when you do a positive review or some sort of rating, give it that thumbs up on your podcast app, whether it's Apple or Spotify or something else, they will have some sort of facility in there for you to rate the show. And it doesn't cost you anything and it helps us find people. The algorithms, always talking about those algorithms, they're always looking for content to recommend. And if they see that... You know, by your activity and your likes that this is something that's cooking, they'll recommend it to more people. And we all win. So we are over 300 members in our Facebook group. And we talk about stuff. We talk about stuff we like. Like old movies, new series, books, other content people are listening to. Uh, You can search for Old Man Apocalypse in the Facebook to find it. 
I have also finished, successfully finished, creating a new website and loading all these episode notes, all these outro notes with their associated links up to the website, oldmanapocalypse.com. So if you're looking for the link for something that I was talking about in these outro pieces or want to come and contact me or anything else, go there. You'll see it posted. And that seems like enough practical show ditch digging for one session. So let's transition to this week's What is Chris Reading and Watching segment. So I've been finishing up a Hemingway book called True at First Light. It's Hemingway's journal from his last safari in Africa, 1953-1954. It's edited into a book by his son. The manuscript was edited into a book by his son, Patrick Hemingway. So I picked this up in the used bookstore in the Milwaukee airport, which is just something I love. The whole idea of that is something I love, that the universe decided to put a good used bookstore in an airport It's been there for as long as I've been traveling for work, 20 plus years, and it's obviously someone's labor of love. I thank them from the bottom of my heart. Makes me happy every time I'm in that airport. So this Hemingway book is, I guess, a bit controversial because the manuscript was an unfinished manuscript that was donated to the JFK Library in Boston by Hemingway's fourth wife, Mary. And then they gave it to his son, Patrick Hemingway, to edit it up into this book. It's an honestly an up-and-down read. You're never really sure which parts are the author and which parts are the editor. Uh, that being said, there are some Hemingway nuggets in there, which is makes, makes the journey worthwhile. But what really struck me about this is how of its time it is. You know, Hemingway was, 1953, 1954, same year he's on the safari, he won the Pulitzer Prize and the Nobel Prize for Literature. And he was this famous American. And America loved him for his literary talent, but also for this brand that got created around him. He was sort of our proof that America could produce great artists as the country struggled to find its place in the world culture before and during and after World War II. And he had this great image that was built around him. And I think he was responsible for a lot of this himself, of this hard-drinking man's man, tough guy, who liked to womanize and hunt and fish and go to bullfights. And I really feel sort of bad for him because that's a hard image to live up to, especially as you start getting older, right? So I have read a lot of Hemingway, but not his whole catalog. And I and this book has renewed my interest to go back and learn more about this man and his art. So the only other piece of noteworthy content that I have consumed since we last talked was This Island Earth. This is a Universal Studios science fiction movie from 1955 based on a 1952 novel of the same name. It was the first science fiction film to be produced in Technicolor. Amusingly, it was released as a double feature with Abbott and Costello Meet the Mummy. <laughs> I think that's funny. It's, uh, it's really not a very compelling movie. Um, I think the Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie, 
parody of it is entirely more watchable. So I hope you're doing well. My team and I are scurrying around trying to figure out how to get out of season three. Six episodes to figure it out. If you can contribute to the show, if it has added to your happiness, we have Patreon, we have Acast subscriptions, we have Buy Me a Coffee as an option, as well as a, a page for various merchandise in our Tee Public store. Give me some money, I'll send you a patch. Links are in the show notes and on the website. Don't forget about the story contests that we're running in this month and the next. Uh, get those entries in for a read into audio. Details posted on the website and pinned in the Facebook group. And whether you're hunting lions in Africa, traveling to distant planets after being kidnapped by aliens, or simply hanging out in your bunker, don't forget... Whatever happens, we'll handle it and keep surviving. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 